Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Here we go, 2 Kings. I'm going to preach um, this word, 2 Kings chapter 7. Uh, what's happening, we're going to start reading from verse 3, but what is happening is the people of God in Samaria are under siege. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, has cut off their source of food. It was a, a, a strategy of, of war, a battle strategy that, that towns would actually use in order to overthrow another city. They would cut off their food supply. Cities in those days had walls all around them and they would cut off their food supply because during wartime, what cities would typically do is they would barricade themselves in the city because there was safety in the city because of the walls that were surrounding them. So what the opposing army would do is they would manage or try and seek to cut off their food supply in order to try and get the city to come out from the safety of behind the walls. And that's what's happening in this story. The city that we're looking at today is Samaria and Syria is going after them, has cut off through Ben-Hadad. The king has cut off their food supply. And the Bible says, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. We know in this, in, throughout Scriptures, and you know, if you read something of Scriptures, that the Bible mentions, often mentions people with leprosy. And leprosy was considered, if you had leprosy, you were considered to be unclean. So these four men are men of the city of Samaria, but they are, because of their disease, because of their leprosy, they're put outside the gate. The Bible actually says earlier, it says that the drought was so bad that people were selling to eat. They were selling donkey's heads and dove's dung. Come on, you thought the fast was bad. Donkey's heads and dove's dung. Not only is that the, the city's under siege, now you have these, these four lepers that they're not even accepted in a city that's in that bad a state. So these lepers are not in this city. These lepers are sitting at the gate of the city. The four leprous men at the entrance of the gate and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we're going to die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. Come on, don't you feel better about your life right now after hearing this story? They're saying if we go in the city, we're dead. If we stay here, we're dead too. If we go to where the enemy is, we're pretty much dead. But maybe there's a chance that they might let us live. You know what I like about these leprous men? Is they made a decision that they were going to get up from where they were just based on maybe a chance something good is going to happen. I want to tell you, and before I keep reading the rest of this story, I just feel to encourage some people now, you got to be someone that sees, what is it? Sees the glass as being half 
Thank you. That's what these leprous men, they said, we've got death here, we've got death here, we've got death there, but maybe there's a chance of hope. Maybe that's a word for you tonight as you come here this morning. Just a chance, just a glimmer of hope is enough to get you up and get you moving into what God has for you. They said, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a hope. If we stay here, we're going to die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord, I love this story, for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, the Syrians said this, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these leprous men came out to the outskirts of the camp, they went into the tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. It was too much. They couldn't take it all just in one lot. These mangy, beat up, hopeless lepers. Isn't this a good story? They start walking and while they're walking, their God is working. While they're walking on the way, the Bible says that we just said the Lord caused the sound of a great army. These little lepers are dragging their sorry selves down the road. The four of them beat up, limbs missing, flaky skin, starving. They've been eating nothing, scraps. Listen, you know things are bad. Lepers ate the scraps of what the city ate. These lepers were eating the scraps of the donkey's heads. But then on their way to the city, God caused a sound to happen. The sound that Bible says it sounded like to the enemy. These four lepers that had no weapons, that had no army, they sounded like there was a great army with horses and chariots coming. Enough so this sound was loud enough to scare the Syrian army. They left and they took off and left everything there. So these lepers run in and there's no one there. They're like, bro, let's turn this place up. They start eating. It's twilight. It says it's dinner time. The enemy has been cooking food, brewing food, cooking up whatever they used to eat back then, cooking up their in and out Chick-fil-A. They got it loaded up. But then the enemy takes off and the lepers arrived and their meal is all ready to go for them. They're like, thank you, bro. Peace out. I'm going to eat this. So they start eating the food. They're taking the clothes. They're taking the silver, these four leprous men, and they're taking it out. They've got so much, they start digging holes and burying it for later. Come on, that's overflow. How many received that over your life? Not just for you, but enough for later on. They start, they start burying it. But then in the midst of it all, they're like, hey, bro, listen, maybe, maybe we should go back. Bible says that they said, maybe we should go back. Then they said to one another, we're not doing this right. This is the day of good news 
and we remain silent. If we wait until morning, now therefore come, someone might punish us, will come out and get us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and told the king, they went back and told the gatekeeper and the gatekeeper told the rest of the city. And the rest of the city came out and enjoyed the spoils. This is a powerful story, church. This tells us something of the heart of God, I believe, to fight on our behalf. This tells us something of God's ability to overcome. Think about the fact that God was able to overcome the enemy with just the sound of an army. Your God is so great and so strong, He doesn't even have to show up. He just simply has to make a noise. And the noise that possibly He might show up is enough to scatter your enemy in front of you. What I love about these leprous men, the first thing that jumped out at me is they took ownership of where they were at. They looked at each other. They took a little synopsis of the situation and they said to each other, you know what? If we stay here, I know we've been let down by people. Understand that the city has pushed them out. They are by the gate. They've been rejected by people. Life has not treated them well. They are down and out. Natural circumstances are against them. Their own people are against them. But these men took ownership of their situation and said, you know what? Regardless of how we got here, the fact is that we're here. And if we stay here, we're going to die. We need to get up from where we are and get moving in the right direction. Is a lesson for that, for, uh, from that for each one of us churches, taking ownership of our situation and saying, you know what, nobody else is responsible for my destiny but me. Some people might have treated me bad, people might have hurt me, but we got to do what our pastor tells us to do, love like you've never been hurt, take responsibility for your destiny, don't sit at the gate another day, get up and move on into freedom. Something that we've got to learn about this in modern day society. We are so quick to play the victim all the time. We're so quick to justify our situation where we're at, why we're here. This person did that. This situation did that. I grew up in this family. It's because of this. It's because of that. It's because of these circumstances. Enough. We have to take ownership. So you know what? doesn't matter. Fact is, I am here. And if I stay, I die. It's taking ownership. They took ownership of where they were at. They didn't allow themselves to sit there and talk about how bad life was. There were massive, they had massive needs, these lepers, massive needs. Physically, they are, they are facing an ailment, physical Element that is working against them. They have their own townspeople working against them. They've got an enemy working against them. But I want to tell you that your response to what is working against you determines whether or not that thing can start working for you.
If they were not in the middle of all of this opposition, it was the opposition that forced themselves to get up out of where they were and head the direction of where freedom was. I want to tell you, church, how you respond. You can start twisting and turning your weaknesses and start getting your weaknesses to start working for you if you have a right response and say, you know what? Yes, things are not working my way. But how I respond to this. We know the Word says that what the enemy means for evil, that God will turn around for the good. I want to tell you how you respond to Satan's evil determines how much good you're going to get out of it. When we say that verse, what the enemy means for evil, God means for our good. And you might think, well, I've seen, I haven't seen that at work. If you know that verse, you'll know that Joseph was the one that said that because Joseph was able to say that because he continued to have a right response to every single thing that was thrown his way. That's why he was able to say it. It's the message that we're sitting in the middle of in this month as our senior pastor releases a book on love like you've never been hurt. It's making that decision to have a right response despite what people may throw at us. You are not responsible for anybody else's actions but your own. We are too quick to justify bad attitudes. We're too quick to justify wrong actions based on what somebody else has done or what they've said or what they commented or what they gossiped about or what they did. Listen, you are responsible for your own actions. It's not going to be enough to say, well, God, she did this. She said that. She said this. We have to take ownership of our own situation. We have to make a decision ourselves that we're going to respond the right way. They didn't sit there talking about how bad it was. Nothing wrong. Listen, churches, we talk a lot about needs and breakthrough. Listen, it's a good thing to need a breakthrough in your life. If you're not at a place of need in your life, then you don't have any vision. If you're not, I'll say it again, if you're not at a place of need, if you're at a place of, plus I don't need, things are going good. You need to get a bigger vision. Because last time I checked, the Word says from glory to glory. If you're in glory, guess what? There's another level of glory for you. You need a new level of breakthrough. It's making that decision to say, you know what? I think maybe I've become a little bit satisfied with where I am. Maybe I need maybe I need the enemy to come and shake me up a little bit to remind me that I cannot do this thing on my own. I need the presence of God and I need the touch of God. I need to get out of where I am and make this decision like these lepers did and say we are not staying here. I want to tell you I'm not staying here, church. God has done some great things and I praise Him for that. I'm grateful, but I'm not satisfied. I'm not staying here. I'm going to get up from where I am and keep going into the things that God is calling me to. 
Tell someone I'm not staying here. I know I look nice, but I'm not staying here. I know I'm blessed, but I'm not staying here. I know I've got some great things happening, but I'm not staying here. One of the greatest strategies of the enemy is to cause us to settle and become satisfied. Why is it that we so often hear of God doing crazy miracles in third world countries? Sick of it. I mean, I celebrate them. It's awesome. I've been in some of those nations. I've been in some of those meetings. I remember going, I remember going to youth conferences where there, there's not a stage and cool lights, dusty dirt floors and some dude up there that can't even sing, couldn't hold a note in a bucket. I remember walking into this conference and I thought, oh, dear Lord, help us. They put on the, they put on the, on the preaching schedule. They said, listen, put on preaching schedule. They said, you get up preaching at 7.15. Finish preaching, 8.30. I'm like, 7.15 to 8.30? You want me to preach? They're going to leave. These are kids. These are teenagers. They said, no, 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 Pastor, you watch. I'll never forget it. I'm walking in there and I don't know what. I'm thinking, what are we doing? But the moment this little dude with a crummy old beat up guitar starts playing something close to a note, he starts singing a song on a dusty, mangy building in the middle of nowhere. All of a sudden, you sense a touch of the presence of God. All of a sudden, I'm looking around at these young kids that barely got shoes on their feet with their arms raised saying, God, I want more of you. God, I want your touch. I want to tell you, church, we got to be careful that we don't get satisfied with what we have. we got to start building within our hearts a desperation and a hunger that says, God, I want more of you. I want a greater touch. I believe it's time for the Western church to start getting hungry again for the touch of God, to start getting hungry again for His presence, saying we need miracles in our churches. We need breakthrough in our lives. We don't have so much that we don't need a fresh touch of God. Give Him praise for a moment if you're getting hungry. stirs my heart. We have altar calls. We see people come down and we've got beautiful people in our church in wheelchairs, even in here tonight. It stirs my heart, church, every time I see Him come in. It's got to stir our hearts every time I see Him. Something happens within me and I start saying, God, give us miracles in Jesus' Name. It's time for the church to rise up and start believing that He is the God who we read about in Scripture. He still does miracles today. He can heal your home, restore your marriage, mend your physical body. If we would just believe and declare it. We got to get hungry. We got to get hungry. When I speak to some of our teenagers here tonight, are you believing for God to come and touch your school? I remember I got called by a kid in a school. He was 13 and he rang the office and said, would Ben come? I got a prayer meeting at my school. And would you come and would you come and speak to the kids in the prayer meeting? 
I remember I got this call to the office and, and I, was, I was real busy and I thought, oh, look, I thought it was sweet. You know, a kid gathering a few kids, touched my heart. I thought a 13-year-old kid in his school gathering a, a couple of buddies at, at lunchtime wants me to come and encourage him. It stirred my heart and I thought, I said to my sister, tell him I'll, I'll go, I'll go to this thing. I remember, I'd never forget, I, I walked down there and I check into the office and a couple of kids come and meet me and they start walking me down. It's lunchtime. But I start walking as I start heading to the classroom or what I think is going to be the classroom. I start walking there. I notice it's, it's lunchtime. There's no kids in the schoolyard. I start walking and talking with this kid and I say, is it lunchtime? He says, yeah, the bell just went. I said, where is everyone? He said, well, they're waiting. I said, well, he's 13. I said, they're waiting. Waiting for what? He said, the prayer meeting to start. This is a public school in a secular. See, I said, what are you talking about? All of a sudden, I get to this room. There must be a hundred teenagers packed in this room in a public school in a lunchtime ready to pray. I want to stir your heart, teenagers. It's time for one young person to take a hold of the mantle and say, I'm believing for a revival in my school. It's time to say, I am not staying here. Get up and walk into what God's calling you to. My heart's stirring for us, church. I love these lepers. Everything working against them. Come on, we can come up with a million excuses. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not from the right home. I don't have enough money. I don't get the opportunities. I don't have the gifting. I'm not well enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I'm not fat enough. I'm not thin. We go from one thing to the next. I'm too old. I'm too young. We just spend our life coming up with excuses. Isn't it true when you're young, the enemy tells you you're too young, then you cross an age now, you're busy telling people, no, I'm not too young now, I'm too old. You miss the call of God. It's time to say it is what it is. My situation is what it is, but I know I'm not staying here. I'm getting up from where I am and going to do what God has called me to do. Give Him praise for a few moments. Get up. Quit cursing your failures and activate your faith. We sit there cursing everything that's happened, working against us, praying against everything that's working against us. Get up. Get up from where you are. They started, they started doing something. They recognised something's not right here. We're sitting outside this city. Things are not getting any better. We don't know what to do. So they started just doing something. What did they start doing? They just started taking small steps, small steps in the right direction. I love what our God will do with little things. Small steps. Small steps taken with great faith. Release big breakthroughs. A little boy brought a few loaves and fish, just his lunch. Just took what he had. 
but put it in the hands of a supernatural God. A woman came and just brought two mites as all she had, just something small. What can you, what has God given you that you can put back in His hands that He can use to advance the kingdom of God? What has He given you? Just start taking those small steps because it was their small steps that released a breakthrough sound. They had no idea, no idea as they were walking towards this city that their God was doing something else on their behalf. They had no idea what was happening in the Spirit. I want to encourage you, those small little steps that you take of obedience in reading the Word every single day, you got no idea what's happening in the Spirit. Those small little prayers you pray each and every day, those little acts of obedience, you have no idea what is happening in the Spirit. God is releasing a sound of breakthrough over your life. And it is going before you. It was a sound that scattered the enemy. I began thinking of this, that God's, God, if you look at this story, the the lepers started walking. And God went before them, created a sound before them that scattered the enemy. The breakthrough, the blessing was actually always there. It was always there. The enemy just had it. God did not produce the breakthrough. God did not produce the blessing as they were walking, it was it had already been done. The blessing had already been done in front of them. See, listen to me real carefully. We've got to be real careful about the theology that my obedience releases my breakthrough. Understand, I know what we're talking about in a sense, but we've got to be careful because then we can go down the track of thinking in a striving works mindset that if I obey God, then I release God to do something great in my life. We miss then the fact that God has already done it on the cross. Listen to me, my obedience is not about releasing God to do a breakthrough. My obedience is about positioning me to where the breakthrough already is. The work had already been done before them. Listen to me, church, your declaration. Hear me, because this is so important. When you declare your declaration, we know the power of speaking out, of declaring things over our life. Let me tell you something. The power of God is not released when you declare. The power of God has already been released. Your declaration is not for God. Your declaration is for you. Your declaration is positioning you 
The same way these lepers, the breakthrough was, if you can catch this, it'll change your life. The breakthrough was already there for them. God just needed to pick them up from where they were and put them in the place of blessing and the place of breakthrough. I wanna speak over your life tonight, church, that the breakthrough is already done. The blessing has already been paid for. The freedom has already been bought on the cross. It's about you making that decision that I am not staying here. I'm going to get to that place of blessing and breakthrough. Give God praise if you believe that. It's done. It's done. The obedience, the Word, the pr- it's all about positioning. It's repositioning me. God does not need, think about this, God does not need my declaration to unlock a work. Why would God need something He created to try and declare something to unlock a work that He's already done? Do you understand what I'm saying? If we truly believe that Jesus accomplished every single thing on the cross... It's not about positioning God. It's not about God bringing, and I hear hear me, church, I know even I sometimes will use this terminology, God bringing a breakthrough into my life. He's already done it. It's not about Him moving, but it's about me moving. It's about me doing what these lepers did to say, I'm not staying here. I'm going to get up from where I am. And I'm going to get to that place of breakthrough and that place of blessing. His lepers, I'm going to finish in a minute. See, that's why, that's why David, that's why talking about declaration, that's why when you declare the word of God is so powerful. But listen to this. We think that as we are declaring the word of God, that God will start to do things. But that doesn't make sense if we also declare and we also say that God has done it all on the cross. That's why David said that his word, what did David say? Your word. God, David didn't say your word is a lamp unto your feet. Think about it. David said your word is a lamp unto my feet. As I declare your word, it lights up where you are calling me to go. As I declare the Word of God, it's moving me. See, we operate like it's your Word is a lamp unto your feet to move you, God, as I declare the Word to move you into my situation. It's not about that. It's about me moving to where the place of breakthrough and the place of blessing is. If you can get this church, and I know it can be confusing, but if you can catch this principle, it will change how you operate in your life. It's making that decision. Not staying here. Keys can come. Not staying here. I'm responsible. He's done it all. I'm responsible. You're not responsible. 
I'm responsible. It's my destiny. It's my purpose. He's done it all. I decide whether I'm going to stay here or whether I'm going to get my breakthrough. I make that decision. I love the end of this story. It says at the end of the story, they said to one another, they start, they said they start, they get to this place, they get to this city, and they uh, they start gathering everything. They get there, they're eating, they're drinking. Look at this. They needed food, didn't they? They went there to get food. But they got so much more, so much more than what their need was. It speaks to us of God's heart for overflow for our life. That God does not just want to meet our needs. He wants to pour out overflow. They they got so much more than what they were after. See, there was a need in their life for food. But what I love about this was they didn't just receive food, they received so much more. See, too often we live in reaction to the devil rather than response to the cross. We just want, we see the enemy stolen food. The enemy's taken my food. God, I need food back. I don't want just food back. I want every single thing that that cross that Jesus paid for. I do not just want my needs met. I want over and above because Jesus Christ did not come and hang on a cross so that you could just get your needs met. Jesus came and hung on a cross for you to have life and life to the full. If you would make a decision to say, you know what? I want what the devil took and some. I want what the devil didn't even take that I didn't even have in the first place. I want what I had and some. Let me show you this real quickly. 1 Samuel 30, verse 18. I love this story. That we're, remember the story where we're with, the David, uh, with the David, with David and the Amalekites. I saw this. I'd never seen this. The Holy Spirit said, show me this story. It says, so David recovered. Remember the Amalekites came and they just sketched them out. They took everything right. Took every, that's an Australian term, but just stay with me. So David recovered. Look at this. He recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. He recovered everything that the enemy stole. Look at this. David rescued his two wives. Nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great. Skip, skip, skip down to verse 20. Then, so he got it all back, what the enemy stole. Then David took all the flocks and herds that they had driven out before those other livestock and said, David, this is going to be your spoils. Let me tell you what this what is saying. It's saying that not only do, did you get back everything that the enemy stole, and God, Holy Spirit told me to tell you this, you got David the spoils that David got 
Well, what the enemy stole before the enemy even got to David. Do you understand? The Holy Spirit told me to tell you that some of you, you're about to steal back from the enemy what the enemy took from generations before you. If I could dance, I would dance right now on this stage. Some of you, God told me to tell you that the enemy came and the enemy took some things from your family, from your parents, from your grandparents, that they never walked in their destiny. They never lived free. But God told me to come and tell you on a Sunday night that you're about to take back. Not only are you gonna get what the enemy stole, Someone's walking out of here free tonight, but you're about to get what the enemy tried to take from your parents and from their parents and from their parents. Someone give God praise. God's unlocking a generational curse of divorce over your family. Those of you where your parents' families were divorced, you're about to take that back for the Kingdom of God. Addiction, you're about to take that back for the Kingdom of God. Stand on your feet right across this room. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.